This episode of the Getting Smart Podcast is a rebroadcast of our latest town hall, where we unpacked our latest publication, Support and Guidance for All New Pathways Journeys. We spoke with practitioners and policy experts to get an overview of the current state of advisory models in U.S. schools. Together, we highlighted some exemplars in the space and discussed how support, guidance, and advisory systems are critical parts of building new pathways that serve all learners. All right, hope you enjoy. We'll first start off with the Getting Smart publication that we recently published around supporting guidance, and then we'll go on to re- to visit advisory functions, um, look at some practitioner spotlights, and then some great supporting guidance policies. So, Tom, I'll turn it over to you to kick us off. Um, the subject of supporting guidance really is about creating safety and belonging and purpose and ultimately a sense of agency. I, I guess I've come to believe that agency is uh, maybe the most important outcome that we help produce, that we help every student come to a sense of self, an understanding of who I am and what I'm interested in, what I'm good at, what I care about, and how and where and when I want to act on the world. That sense of agency is a product of support and guidance, and and in particular, really good advisory systems. Last week, we published a report on this subject. Today, we're going to highlight a couple of the schools and a couple of the strategies that were mentioned in that, uh, in that doc. The, the report's organized around uh, some of the core functions of advisory systems. Advisory is really a distributed counseling and, and guidance system. Uh, the most important element is that it's a structure, um, usually 45 to 60 minutes, three to five times a week, that promotes a sustained adult relationship. Uh, I've come to believe that might be the single most important thing that we create uh, in a secondary setting is a sustained adult relationship. There's somebody at school that knows your name, that knows your story, that knows your need and your gifts, that cares about whether you're at school or not, that knows how you're doing academically, uh, socially. And advisory systems uh, create that relationship and they often sustain it for two, three, even four years. Some of the core functions um, are shown on the left, progress monitoring, that's the how you doing. it, it often coordinates student support, both supports inside a school, sometimes organized as a, a multi-tiered system of supports, but it also may be the front line to connecting students and families to resources outside of the school setting. Uh, Son, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Vox Big Picture in Philadelphia, one of your great schools that is, a, it's really a community school that has uh, some wonderful supports for families and students inside the school. And that advisory is such an important place to make those connections. Does that sound right, Sam? It's spot on, Tom. Uh, and I think some of the core functions and the other supportive guidance functions are right aligned to a big picture of learning anyways. How do we structure and build culture within our advisory system? So that's spot on. 
By pathway monitoring or pathway uh, co-authoring, what we mean is the, the traditional task of just course selection, making good choices about the courses that you take. But increasingly, uh, particularly in personalized and project-based schools, is about helping students uh, construct integrated, community-connected, project-based learning. And particularly at, at big picture schools, it's about helping to coordinate, uh, prepare for, coordinate, and, and uh, manage work-based learning or community-based learning, um, leaving to learn. Um, advisories almost always have uh, skill building, and that is often, but uh, it's often social and emotional learning, really those relationship skills of learning to manage yourself and build productive relationships. Uh, and it can be a part of social capital building and, and mentoring. Um, check out the report for more on each of those categories. Um, what, what I've found over the last 30 years in visiting about 3,000 high schools around the world is that every good high school has a good advisory system. Uh, and new schools always uh, build around an advisory system with the advisory system really as the core function that connects students, uh, again, creates belonging, safety, uh, purpose, and, and agency. Uh, I listed a couple examples here from the report. Uh, Summit Public Schools um, is, is aided by a technology platform that has a, a very cool progress dashboard that a student and an advisor see every day. And so I think they're really good at progress monitoring. Um, Building 21 is also really good at, at competency monitoring. Um, Latitude High, our, our friends in, uh, in Oakland, California, use advisory um, to personalize learning and, uh, and to connect to work-based learning and big picture learning we've talked about. You'll hear more about them today. They're really the best in class at at uh, making leaving to learn central to the secondary experience. I want to mention two other systems quickly. Um, Crew by EL Education. That's eleducation.org. Crew is uh, is really the best comprehensive uh, advisory system and set of advisory resources out there. Um, two years ago, Ron Berger and the team uh, published a book called We Are Crew along with some really terrific video resources. What I most appreciate about Crew is that it creates a system of mutual support. So that advisory system is a crew. Uh, we've got your back, you've got my back, this sense of mutuality inside an advisory. Compass by Valor, Valor Collegiate in Nashville. I visited them last week and this is a really sophisticated um, circle-based system where students gather uh, in, an, in an advisory, in a circle, and really practice uh, relationships together. Um, the next slide shows you the sort of organizing principles of CREW and Compass. CREW is really based on um, a beautiful culture at EL schools, and the heart of it is this character framework and the heart of that is contributing to a better world. So I love that sense of purpose. Uh, the purpose of CREW is helping every student understand how and where they'll contribute to making a better world and doing so in a sense of mutuality. 
Compass is is really focused on building these personal skills, but w- with a a real sense of purpose and um, and self direction. Uh, we'll flash up the the URL where you can learn more about both of those. Both of these organizations are interested in in sharing with you. About sixty schools have adopted a Compass, and I think more will want to when they learn about it. Our report also includes Evolve Me as a collection of 26 uh, support and guidance apps. Um, and it's designed especially for um, seventh and eighth graders. Um, it's a terrific collection of free collection. Um, kids are encouraged to sign up directly. Um, it has, uh, it, I'll mention just a couple. It includes the uh, DeBruce Foundation's Agile Work Profiler. Um, and it also has resources from Ustrive. Um, there's quite a few immersive games that uh, are useful in uh, career education, uh, career village, and work simpler. Um, some project based apps like Create and Learn. Um, and it finishes up with a uh, a great profile called Circled In, where um, younger students can begin to build a, a professional profile. So check out evolveme.asa.org. Uh, Our report also includes um, a review of, of leading support and guidance apps. Um, I want to mention just a couple. Uh, the World of Work was developed with support from ASA in Cajon Valley, uh, USD and in East San Diego. It's uh, unique in that it's a K-12 curriculum um, and it's not a bolt-on curriculum, it's a core curriculum that includes 78 immersive uh, career exploration experiences. So it's really the most extensive commitment to career exploration K-12 that we've seen anywhere in the world. Check that out. Um, Youth Science um, from Utah just keeps getting better at providing um, aptitude assessments that help kids develop a better sense of of their interests and skills and connect those to careers. And it looks like generative AI is going to be useful as a a uh, co-career coach. Um, Ian just developed Schooljoy, a new Gen AI app. Ian, are you on the call? Hi, Tom. Hi, everyone. I, I, I take it you're bullish about EI uh, or AI, AI uh, <laughs> being a, a, a career coach. Are you working with Cajon on this? Yes, I am. And, you know, just full disclaimer, the first time I used ChatGPT, I used it to write a love letter. Did not send it. It would not have worked. So, uh, you know, I'm not here drinking the Kool-Aid, but we really have found some very practical uses. So Cajon Valley's commitment to enabling students to experience 54 and minimum careers uh, before they graduate is significant. And what I what we discovered is that language used by businesses to talk about their job descriptions in of itself creates inequity and distance. Right. Because the job description job description is meant to exclude the folks that are not qualified. It's not meant to empower. So we're using AI to create more accessible um, information 
from job descriptions to careers from K through 12 so students can have equitable access to high quality information that's not just about discovery and experience, but we're actually creating scaffolded versions of job descriptions out there aligning to the students' strengths, interests, and values so they can be told that this is what you're good at and this is how you can actually be effective and empowering students to feel confident that one day they can do those jobs. So um, a lot of great work uh, through AI, but it really starts with, you know, what is AI in service of? Um, and it continues to be in service of equity um, and access for the kids. It's really exciting. And, and you're you're trying to do that um... Cajon and, and the local uh, San Diego Workforce Partnership are really trying to provide zip code specific advice. And are you, you're trying to do some of that as well, trying to make really personalized and localized advice? Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, starting from skills, localized definitions of skills students may need, building skills graphs, and creating localized versions of what are the different opportunities out there. Um, and to your point, um, Tom, we're not just focusing on digital. These partnerships are critical. I think digital can only go so far. So place-based learning, place-based mentorship and experiences, these are still crucial. So our approach is really to work with local community partners to say, we can give students practice online, but in reality, they still need the experiences with the local partners. So um, since the really since the pandemic um, started in 2018, 19, I think we saw a real rise in find connected projects as a new form of work-based learning that really complements internships. Um, these are projects that are often framed up by a business or community member. And so the art of developing good client connected projects is helping students develop a strong sense of interest and connecting those with a community uh, organization that, that has a project. Uh, some friends of ours up the street from you, Ian, uh, at Da Vinci Schools developed Project Leo, which is another AI application that helps learners develop these uh, develop and execute these client-connected projects. Um, are, are you excited about um, AI applications and that sort of project-based learning as well? Yeah, um, I can I can talk shop with uh, with I will hope hopefully connect with them. Um, yeah, we are um, we're building a lot of tools for teachers as well. And the key here is per personalization. Uh, one of the greatest things that we're able to scale is to capture students' strengths, interests, and values, and then ask what can we do with it. Um, so in in this case, we're able to create uh, and streamline the integration of students' information. And use that for lessons, use that for project-based learning, even letters recommendation, uh, even helping kids come up with college essay ideas based on their experiences. So um, a lot of the systems that we're creating is really thinking through scaffolding information for every grade level, uh, but also creating tools that can hopefully make teachers' lives easier through personalization. Yeah. Thanks, so, Ian. Ian I, I know you're also interested in... Um, career coaching for adults. And I we, we see more and more applications every week in that category. So a, AI is going to be a big aid when it comes to, um, to career education and finding or creating the right fit. Um, thanks for being with us. And now we're going to learn from our, uh, our friends at Big Picture, sort of best in class at 
leading to learn and organizing that all through uh, advisory systems. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Son, as you do your introductions and um, and begin to talk about what that looks like in big picture, I would love for you to to share what big picture does in order to ensure that students are connected to an adult um, that really enhances and allows them to um, find um, their their sense of identity and belonging. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. So a little bit uh, about advisory. One of the core tenants that's been brought up already by Tom, a sense of belonging, um, but really high quality relationships with young people. It's a space and time to know your young people well. Um, you know, it's valued just as much as their growth uh, academically, um, you know, social emotionally and all those spaces. Um, one, two of the different sort of markers that make it exceptionally different um, in some spaces really is this concept of relevance, meaning it's a space to support students pursuing their interests. So our students are allowed uh, to go to internships two days a week. Um, so there's a structure back at home where they could do two things. One, get the one-on-one -on -one support from their advisor, uh, but also have the time to work on their project that they're working on. So um, that's really the relevance piece. And also to really get feedback and um, hear what the other learners in an advisory are engaged in. So that's really important to us. And then really it's the rigor side, right? All those things, uh, academic, industry skills, social emotional skills. Um, it's less um, sort of, um, you know, impressed upon them, but rather really organic because every advisory is really different and their needs sort of surface as time goes on. Um, but I have the privilege of having Nashville Big Picture High School, some of the current folks that are there um, really share a little bit about our work and some of the highlights. So uh, a star of the day anyways. Uh, Luke, how are you, Luke? Good. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Um, thank you so much for being here today and sharing a little bit of your wisdom around advisory. And I also mm -hmm. wanted to introduce his advisor, Vicky. Vicky Aroa, how are you? Hi, good afternoon, our time. How's everyone? Doing well, team. So listen, we're here to say a little bit about advisory. I'd love to lift up uh, anything that you would want to share, your good wisdom around some uh, the power of your experiences so far in advisory. We'd love to hear a little bit, Vicki and Luke. All right, great. So Wait, who is the person next to Luke? That's who we're getting ready to introduce. Okay. Oh, this is my mother. Hi, Betsy Vaughn, Luke's mom. Hey, Betsy, how are you? Welcome. I'm good. Thank you. Completing the full circle here. Parents are, are, are part of our community, so I appreciate you taking your time to be here as well. So uh, let's jump right into it. I'd love to, to share with the guests that we have here really talking about the power of advisory. Do you want to lift up a couple of things that are really powerful for you? Um. Yeah, it's... um. Well, of course, my uh, faith in Jesus Christ, of course, and like um, with the thing about having an advisor, it's um, like I remember in ninth grade how it started out. High school was, I mean, we had to do all of it online during COVID. And so um, like I think late in the school semester in like springtime, that's when we finally came back. And I was awful shy. I mean, like I hardly even got to really talk to anyone face to face. I mean, it was only on uh, video and everything. And um, knowing that I had uh, Miss Vicky, who's a very kind and wonderful teacher, <laughs> to um, be there uh, next year, I mean, I felt a little more confident and like familiar with my um, like uh, the school and everything, and I knew what to expect. And 
once I got to know her, I got to know a few more other teachers, and and then I continued to grow and all. Luke, just one more question. I mean, what what do you leverage the time for in advisory? What are you doing in advisory that's really productive for you as a learner? Talk about your capstone. Well, um, we usually do um in senior year we uh, do capstones at our internships. We do internships on Tuesdays and Thursdays at Big Picture High School and. That's one of the reasons why I joined. It's like um, to gain like certain work experience and like at the end of our senior year, like from ninth grade to 12th grade, we um, kind of slowly build up. Like we start with exhibitions, like presentations. And then at the end, it's like this one big like um, thing called our capstone project. Mm-hmm. And for mine was uh, since my internship is at Selby Bottoms Nature Center. Mm-hmm. I uh, did a nature walk and for mental health and all, and it was very fun. And Miss Vicky came and so many others as well. So while you're working on your capstone in advisory, like what are the systems? Do you have time for one-on-one support with your advisor? Do you have time to sort of do the logistics around that capstone? Can you share a little bit of how you use your time in there? Of course. Uh, sometimes it's like... Um, independent learning time, but also, of course, again, capstones and working about those on the computers and like, what's the day, what's the time and what's, how am I going to introduce myself and the people that come there? And of course, like, yeah, there's always one-on-ones with Miss Vicky whenever I need help and all with uh, any capstones or again, like she's also my English teacher too. So (laughs) Yeah, she helps me with those as well. And so you can't you can't get away from her, Luke, during the day. You get no. day, every no. day. That's right, Vicky. You let him know. He's not getting away. He knows it. Yeah. Vicky, yeah. can you share a little bit about some of the highlights for you and 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 the power of advisory? Sure, sure. I first I want to let everyone know that it is extremely an honor to represent Nashville Big Picture High School this morning with Luke and his mother, uh Betsy. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, family, the uh, the relationships that are established, as you can see, uh, the family relationships are of utmost importance because once you get the family, then you get the kid. So sometimes you have to use the kid to get to the family, but you figure it out, right? Because parents can be apprehensive. Oh my, you know, it's high school and everything that's the theories around high school. So building that core foundation of family relationships is like key. Everything is built upon that. Uh, just open communication, text. Betsy and I were texting last night <laughs> to make sure we got all the information that we need. Uh Admin, text with my principals. Those core, I call those core foundations of communication. You, they are they are very very important in nurturing what happens next. Uh, Luke mentioned that he has uh, he is the first student in our advisory who has hosted his capstone. His family was there. You had about thirty people plus. Mm-hmm. I could be off a little, but we did a nature walk around mental uh, how to care self care, and uh, in this day and time. That's top. I mean, everybody needs to know how to take care of themselves. And so, Luke, I have 17 students. He has already completed his. 
in September. So that speaks to the dynamics of our relationship and how we communicate uh, through advisory. Luke, just one more quick question. So your capstone is really around how nature supports mental health and mental wellness. Is that the connection? Um, yes, yeah, pretty much like in how walking and taking a walk in nature on a nice day can be very therapeutic. Like, where I notice that there can be a lot of stressful things in the world. I mean, just turn on the news for five or 10 minutes and I already feel anxious and all. And mm. Mm. yeah, there's a lot of things in I mean, I decided to put the two together and, of course, with the help of my advisor, too. And and we got the nature walk going. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Betsy, Betsy, uh, you want to share a couple of words as far as your experience so far with Luke in the school, your personal experience? Um, Sure. I actually have Luke and then I have another son here who is a junior. So I would love to talk about Big Picture High School and the impact that it has on my children. Um, when Luke started as a freshman, he was very shy. Um, and so I was nervous. He, you know, I didn't know what high school would bring for him. And now he stands up in front of groups of people and he's confident and he's outgoing. And I attribute all of that to what what he's gained from being at Big Picture High School. You know, the collaboration between all of the faculty and administration here at Big Picture is amazing. I always walk in the door and I know my children are seen and heard. And these people here, they know my kids. They don't just know their names. They know their strengths and their weaknesses. They know them. Um, I don't have to worry that someone's not going to notice if they're struggling in any way whatsoever. I, I I know that for a fact. I feel it. It makes me feel so good as a parent. Um, and, you know, of course, big picture really transcends education by sending the kids out into those internships right away, freshman year. They're out in the community. They're seeing real world stuff they're they're living it and it's just it's it's been amazing for my kids and i would recommend big picture to well i do i do recommend big picture all the time um and working with miss vicky like she said i can text her i can call her i can email her as well as uh, dr brenda they get right back to me you know when they can and never make me feel like i'm a burden it's just it's an amazing community. All right. Well, thank you all. We anytime there's a student on, I just kind of get goosies. So um, thank you, Luke and Mom, Betsy, and everyone for for sharing. Um, son, you all do um, Big Picture Living, which is another extension of your 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 support and guidance. So we'll make sure that we drop those links um, for the attendees to visit. And we'll also include those in the recap. Um, and then hopefully we'll be able to come back and ask some questions about it at the end. So thank you, um, Big Picture, for sharing. We are truly grateful. For right now, I'm going to turn it over to Tom um, so that um, Julie from ASA can share all the great things that they're doing in this space. A, a lead sponsor of our New Pathways campaign is uh, American Student Assistance, and uh, Julie Lammers is 
the policy lead there. Julie, I wondered if you could tell us about um, career education policies and work-based learning policies. Are, are there any states that are um, that are getting it right? So there are a lot of states that are getting it right, and I think we're seeing a lot of progress um, the last few years in particular, uh, a lot of focused attention. Uh, we see great work coming out of Indiana, some interesting stuff in Texas. Um, Massachusetts is doing more, certainly the state of Delaware. I think when it comes to, um, to what particular policies, it varies by state. Some of them are really focused on the, the uh, older levels around um, middle or high school uh, career exploration, work-based learning policies. Some, like Delaware, have really delved into the fact that they have had an extensive pathway program for a number of years, but really found that uh, young people in middle school didn't have a good sense of who they were <laughs> or why they were picking certain paths. So they've really doubled down in the last few years on efforts to expand middle school career exploration, which is an area that uh, ASA certainly has a lot of interest in. And they did this by, in a really a community-focused approach, right? They brought together 300 stakeholders. They came up with a portrait of a middle schooler um, and have now started piloting how do you get young people in middle school to be, really know themselves and what they want long-term? Not um, picking a path in middle school, but really how do we expand opportunities so young people aren't foreclosing options? So, yeah, so there is a lot of good stuff happening throughout the, throughout the nation. Certainly funding is, is still a challenge in holding, particularly the advisory space back, right? We know um, counselor-to-student ratios are still way too high. Uh, and there needs some to be some creativity around how we fund things like mentorships. And um, we did a really interesting pilot with Mentor, the National Mentoring Organization, around funding of relationship-centered schools. So this was this sprang from the idea that young people were walking into a school and no one there knew who they were. So what does it look like if you restructure a school to have relationships be the most important aspect? Of what happens in a school day and that every young person knows somebody and knows a caring adult in that building. Uh, so they piloted that in uh, about five uh, school districts a few years ago, having um, enormous success in not only social capital building, which we knew would be sort of the key components, but really student retention, student engagement, and academic progress. So really rethinking how and what schools should be. Julie, uh, I think ASA is really the most important advocate for career exploration in the middle grades. It's really important to you. Can, can you say a few more words about what you'd like that to look like? What, what kinds of experiences do you think all kids deserve in the, in the middle grades? Yeah, we find it really important. Now, we've done a lot of research in this space, and what we see is not only is the middle school years, the years when young people are most open to the idea of beginning to explore careers and their sort of their brain function is at a place where they can start making some decisions around it. But we also see that young people, particularly those that don't have access to social capital, begin to foreclose opportunities for themselves if they don't see it in their communities, in their families, and in those they know. And so how do we expand opportunity for all young people to be what they want to be? Uh, starting but uh, by, by ensuring that they have access to services in middle school. We like to think about it from the standpoint of, you know, we should not be asking young people in middle school what they want to be. 
They don't know that. They don't know what their options are. They have a very limited view of the world. We like to think of it from the standpoint of trying to help young people understand what it is they're good at, what they love, what the world needs, and then help them understand what the world will pay them for. You know, in, in the middle of those four things is something that will be a, a good fit for, for a young person. But starting with the what do you want to be when you have had no exposure <laughs> to what the options are is um, daunting for young people. They, they sort of they panic. Why? I don't know what I want to be because I, don't, I haven't seen much of the world. So we need to really reverse that, start conversations much earlier, and um, help young people really understand you know, who they are and what value they can bring um, and where they fit in the world is much more valuable than who you, what do you want to be. <laughs> hey, Julie, uh, Joshua is asking in uh, chat how strongly we felt about AI in terms of personalized learning and in terms of career coaching. Um, how, how, do you, um, how strongly do you feel about AI applications in, in those categories, personalized learning and and uh, career exploration, is it going to replace adult relationship or complement it? I think it will complement it. And I think largely because there is even the best counselor has a limited view of what the options are. And so any tool that we have that provides that scope of information for a young person uh, outside of their, their, you know, the, um, what their very well-intentioned counselor might know themselves is, is certainly a benefit. I don't think there's any anything holding no. holding it back. But it doesn't really doesn't replace a relationship that we know is so vitally important for young people to have right. the support they need, answer the questions that an AI chat will not be able to hopefully no. answer for them. Um, Julie, it it feels like um, when it comes to entrepreneurship, that's really true. That um, AI can really help open young people's eyes in terms of entrepreneurial opportunities. I'm, I'm really excited about what I've seen in that category. And that feels like one category where a really good um, generative AI apps can, can be very helpful part of career exploration so that kids are not only thinking about getting a job, but uh, making a job. Yeah, absolutely. And But I think there's still... You know, the, the skills that entrepreneurial education brings a young person, the um, ability to take a risk and fail and know that that's okay, right? The iterative process that comes with uh, shaping an idea and pitching it to someone, um, those things are, are, in my opinion, still best done with human interaction. <laughs> Julie, what is, what's uh, Futurescape? Your, your colleague put that in chat, futurescape.asa.org. Is, is that the high school version of... Evolve me. So, no. So, Futurescape is uh, a series of videos um, that we created uh, a number of years ago. Uh, content for young people, um, really high school age, late middle school, high school age, uh, and it allows um, young people to to see different experiences. What is it like to be um, to pitch your parents on being a screenwriter? Right. What is it? What does it mean to have a job in the gig economy? What is what? Who are some people that have tried something and failed? Um, so really, just trying to expose young people to a variety of different careers and ways of approaching work. Great. 
Thank you, Julie. Uh, Tom and, and Julie, you may be able to answer, not you may be, I know you'll be able to answer this, um, but we talk a lot around kids imagining their possible futures and you, you know, really lean into the middle school where you invite students to really explore what they're curious about or what they love to do. And then you try to find some center space in there. How do we get students back to dreaming? How do we get students back to imagining so that they can get into that space of, you know, getting to where you're saying so that that then transitions to career exploration? Yeah. So, you know, I think um, one of the questions that you had uh, you had posed when you sent, uh, sent over, you know, uh, conversations that we were going to have today was about the idea of you know, how do we help support kids sleep better? Um, and and I think it goes to the same issue of how do we help them dream more? And I think the challenges we have are um, a lot of the times we're waiting too late to have a lot of these conversations with young people. You know, you think about when I was in high school and I would wait to the last minute to do a project and my mother would say, this is why we don't wait to the last minute, right? That you get overstressed and you can't get it done on time. But our young people are in school for 12 years, and yet we wait for the last minute to have conversations about college and career. Of course, that's going to add stress to their lives. Um, of course, that's going to limit their opportunities because now if they're not waiting until they're waiting until 11th grade, their, their choices are based on the classes they did or did not take um, about conversations they probably have never had about their future. And so I think the way we have sort of structured learning and the fact that we don't allow young people to think more broadly about their futures at a much earlier age really is limiting their possibilities to dream, adding to stress, uh, and adding to a lot of the disengagement from school that we see. And so not that it's the silver bullet, but I think we start by having these conversations a lot earlier. Thanks, Julie. And Tom, you dropped in the chat about creating cultures of possibilities. And, and son, I'm going to invite you off mute as well, because a big picture, you really use a holistic approach, which I'm circling back for a second to big picture learning, because you understand that there has to be true balance to create this cultural possibility. So how do you all do that through that lens of big picture living? Uh, well, between big picture living and also a huge emphasis on introspection and reflection, um, our students first engage in a Who Am I project, um, which is one of the seminal sort of uh, projects that our ninth graders create as they move on um, in our schools. Uh, it's meant as a time, not only as a tool to curate interests, uh, because that's what our design is based off of, but really helping students look inward, um, really lift up uh, some seminal experiences from the past that they want to sort of uh, acknowledge and sort of help them move forward, um, sort of think about the future and how it aligns to their work right now and really who they are right now. Um, a lot of times we just don't make, we don't leverage like authentic reflection as a pedagogical tool uh, as as often as we should. And so this Who Am I project is one which is foundational for our, our ninth graders. Uh, but with BP, uh, BP Living, especially when it comes to health and wellness, I think all the six measures that are sort of attributed to that are super critical in education right now. And the biggest thing that I just want to say is, is that um, when we think about academic performance, you know, it's just not academics. It really is um, other factors such as mental health and physical health. Um, it plays a direct, uh, there's a direct correlation to student performance in school. And so 
thinking about the, the quality relationships that young people engage in, the quality of sleep, the, the, the nutrition that they're eating, um, how they're managing stress. Um, you know, all these different factors play a role into how well they're learning and in growing. So yeah, those are all measures that we try to pay attention to acutely um, in our schools. Thank you. Um, we have a few minutes left. So I also want to invite people to drop in any questions in the chat or comments. Um, or also, we also invite you to come off mute if you want to do the hand emoji to raise your hand, um, then we'll, we can call on you. Um, but while you all are working through those, it, it son, I like what you said. Um, just recently in San Diego, we heard just stories of like what students go through just to get to school. So just like that journey and, and how that can really take a mental toll before you even step inside the school doors and how important it is for support and guidance to be there as soon as a student walks in the door with um, what uh, sustained adult relationship to welcome them to center um, that student um, so that they can move into a learning space. Yeah, if I if I could just add one thing, just another second, like um, we're supporting a El Paso Leadership Academy. Um, and they're right on the border of, of Juarez, a, a community over in Mexico. And every morning the babies wake up at four o'clock and they make their journey um, across the bridge to get to school. And so you can imagine middle school students, elementary students getting up at 4 a.m. just to travel, just to get to their school. So, um, and that's the reality that some of our students face. So when they get through the doors, um, they should be met with um, all the love in the world and appreciation that they've shown up and really just setting the, the day off on a good foot. And I'll just ask one last question um, before we wrap. And Julie, I'll start with you. As we think about the conversations you've heard here today and just you know how you all are leaning into supporting guidance, what are a couple of, couple of actionable steps that these leaders can take on this call to ensure that there are strong support and guidance systems either in their spaces or um, some ways that they can support um, based on their, their kind of vantage point. So, you know, I think one of the things we've I've struggled with over the last um, couple of year or so really as, you know, we see the economy in a place where we have a mismatch between um, employment and those seeking jobs, right? There's a huge gulf between what employers are saying they want and what uh, what people are able to, um, and the number of people looking for a job. There is a tendency, I think, to say schools should then just build skills that will meet these jobs and everyone will be okay. But we know that that's not the case, right? So because we're not building widgets, we're building humans. And we want humans that are not only employable and have long-term economic prosperity, are also civically engaged, right? Our, our creative can, uh, you know, uh, add to um, our cultural, our cultural in other ways. And so I think, you know, really focusing on the fact that it is the students that we're serving here, right? And really remembering that the while career exploration is important and will solve a pipeline for employers, they're not our primary audience, right? Our work must be centered in what students need um, for long-term success, uh, and that's hard, right? Um, it's hard to rethink what schools could look like. Um, you know, it's really easy to just go along with sort of the inertia of the day um, and, and change is really hard. But um, I think that creatively rethinking what young people need out of school uh, and how we can get them to a place of long-term success is sort of where we need to keep as the North Star um, and constantly remember that that's the problem we're trying to solve for. 
Thanks, Julie. So then I'll ask you the same question. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, the be super explicit around the vision of what you're trying to create is fundamentally one of the first things. Um, and then really I'm thinking about once that's done, I think being clear with the team as far as what success means. So for us, we try to be super clear on what a highly effective advisory system is and what success outcomes we're looking for. Um, and then we work backwards from there, you know? So when we say we want high quality relationships, we try to be explicit on what are the moves that are happening in there. When we say that we wanna support high quality real world learning projects, like what's happening in advisory that supports that. So is it the one-on-one -on -one support? Is it time for young people to focus on their projects? So I, I think the, the cadence anyways and being super clear on why it's important and, and why the school is prioritizing it, but also being super clear on what it looks like when it's successful and then working backwards from there. All right, thank you both for being here with us today. Thank you to the entire Big Picture Learning team and Betsy the mom and Luke the student, um, as well as Julie from ASA. Thanks for tuning in to the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason at gettingsmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thanks so much.